We're going to be in John 15 again this morning. If you're finding that in your Bible, John chapter 15. We've had a couple of messages from this passage recently. On a Wednesday night, uh, we had a message about our father being a farmer. God is a husbandman. That means he's a farmer. He's a vine keeper. He is a, and so that's, it's really good. I, I, I personally enjoyed studying for that lesson just about being reminded that God is in the business of sowing and planting and reaping and harvesting. And uh, then last Sunday morning, we looked at this passage, same text, John 15, and about the importance of abiding in Him, abiding in the Lord as branches if we're going to bear more fruit. And so we're going to look at another aspect of this today. If you're able to stand, and I know some people can't stand today and we understand that, but if you're able to stand, let's stand today for the reading of God's Word. Some people don't. Shouldn't stand, but they do anyway. I'm not going to call any names, Alex. (laughs) John chapter 15. Let's look there together, all right? Verse 1. I am the true vine. Jesus is speaking, of course. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he... The Father taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he, the Father, purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Nobody escapes the Father's work. Those who don't bear fruit, he removes them. Those who do bear fruit, he purges them. Nobody escapes the Father's activity. Verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Our Father, once again we thank you for your word. What a blessing it is to have the very words of God in our possession, to read them, to study them, to learn from them, to apply them to our life. We pray today that you would indeed help us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, and we pray that, God, you would open our eyes, help us to behold wondrous things out of thy law, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
as I was preparing this this week, I was thinking about the vines, the branches, and the vine. I was thinking about what a beautiful time of the year it is here. And, you know, we, trees all have their own place. We plant ornamental trees, you know, for their appearance. I was noticing coming in this morning again, I think that's a little Japanese maple right down there at the bottom, brilliant red right now, as many of the maples have been. Just a beautiful thing. Sometimes we plant trees for shade, but you don't plant vines for beauty or for shade. They don't provide shade. They're not especially attractive, but they have their purpose. My wife and I were reading in the book of Ezekiel this morning and read these words. Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Talking about the vine. Do you ever cut down a vine, a grapevine, for the purpose of its wood? No, you, you couldn't cut down a grapevine and make furniture. You couldn't cut down a grapevine and, and frame a house. Vines have their purpose, and their purpose is to produce grapes, to produce fruit. And the part of this message here in John chapter 15 is about making the branches more productive, helping them fulfill their purpose. Now, who are the branches? We are the branches. And we want to be more productive. It says in verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine. The true vine is perfect. The vine cannot be improved. Jesus is the vine. In verse 5, though, if you look there, it says, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. We are branches in the vine. As Christians, we draw our life from our relationship to the vine. We don't draw our life even from each other. We don't draw our life just from our beliefs, from our commitments, from our consecration. The life that we have comes directly from the vine. We are branches in the vine. Now think about this for a moment before we really get into the message. Jesus was about to leave these disciples. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All of these were lessons Jesus taught them just prior to him going to the Garden of Gethsemane and just prior to him going to Golgotha. They're about to leave or he's about to leave. They're going to be left alone. They're not going to have his presence with them anymore. Imagine what it'd be like. You know, we miss people sometimes. Friends move away. We miss people that aren't living near us that once did. Imagine living with Jesus for three and a half years and then he's leaving. I can't imagine the void. Jesus is preparing them for his departure. And he said this, if you're going to produce fruit, you've got to have a close relationship with me. Not a relationship where you can see me and touch me and hear my audible voice, but a relationship where you abide in me by faith and you fellowship with me by faith and you trust me and lean on me by faith. And so he's preparing them. That's why the emphasis in this passage about abiding in him. If you're going to be productive, You're going to have to abide in me. Well, the same is true of us. The only way we can produce fruit is to abide in him. We talked about that last Sunday. You have a close, intimate relationship with him. Jesus said in another place about this subject, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt 
and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Fruit bearing is important. Fruit bearing identifies us as the children of God. Not because, you know what identifies us as the children of God? Not because we say we prayed a prayer one time. Not because we got baptized. You know what identifies us as the children of God is the fruit that we bear. What people see, and that's why Jesus said, you're to love you're to love one another as I loved you, that people can look at that and see and know that you're my disciples. The more we abide in Him and the more His words abide in us, the more fruit we'll bear. And by the way, it's important. But you know why it's important? Because God is glorified. The more He produces fruit through us, the more glory He gets. So today as we look at this text, we're not going to talk about the abiding that Jesus talked about But we're going to talk about how the Heavenly Father wants His branches to produce, and this is how He works in them. Let's look back again at John chapter 15 and verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. And this begins next what we'll emphasize today. And every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Every branch, not most of the branches, not the majority of the branches, not some of the branches, every single branch that is producing fruit, God himself, the Father, is going to be pruning and purging them that they can produce more fruit. That's the Father's activity in the lives of the branches. Every branch has the Father's attention. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges. And the word purge is another word for prunes. We use the word pruning branches or trimming branches. And every branch he's going to purge. Every fruitful branch. If you say, well, I'm thankful to God that he has borne fruit through my life. And we're not going to go through an emphasis discuss what all that can be. It can be just the character that we live, the character we have, the way God uses us, the fruit of our life, the Christ-like behavior, the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It can be making a disciple, helping people come to know the Lord, planting the good seed of the Word of God. And if you and I can say, thank God to His glory and to His honor, We have produced in our life some fruit. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But keep this in mind. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or purges that it can bear more fruit. Isn't that an amazing thing? Pruning, what does pruning do? Purging is the word he used, but what does pruning do? It stimulates plant growth. It increases production. Pruning is, is if you've ever, if you have ever uh, had trees that you took care of or bushes you took care of, you have these little sprouts that come out of them. They're sometimes called suckers. They come out of the trunk, little sprouts that come up. And you say, aren't those nice? Yeah, they're nice, but they need to be cut away. You know why? Because it'll help us make the tree stronger. Those suckers that come out of it, just weaken the plant. It takes some of the nutri- nutrients away from the good branches. You know, I, I, I was kind of 
couple of weeks ago when I was studying this for a Wednesday night sermon, I did a little a studying about pruning. It's an interesting thing that I've never really studied about. But And my wife and I, we do this regularly. We have cloppers and we have little clips and we have chainsaws. Depends on how much how serious the pruning is going to be. But there's really an art to it. There's a science to it. You know, people are actually trained and educated to be excellent pruners. I read somewhere that, that vineyards will invest, those who have vineyards will invest sometimes two or three years training pruners. So they make the best cut at the best time with the best angle in order to make those vines most productive. Pruning correctly is crucial if the, tr- if the tree is going to be strong, if it's going to maximize the potential. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. The more, if we bear fruit, he's going to purge us that we can bear more fruit. Isn't that good? Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'd be satisfied without the purging, without the pruning. But keep this in mind as we look at this today. Our Father, God Almighty, the Creator, our Father is the master vine dresser. He's the pruner, and he prunes the branches. And if you're a disciple, you are a branch that is attached to the vine. And he prunes prunes those branches so that the the fruit will be increased, not only in quantity, but also in quality. The fruit will be better. You know, uh, this is maybe a strange thing to think about, but if if trees could talk, (laughs) wouldn't you love to listen to them? I'm sure if trees could talk, they don't always like the pruning. If trees could talk when my wife and I are attacking them with these tools of our trade, they would probably say, stop it, that hurts. But you know what? They'd also be grateful for the result. The result is good. And I want to tell you, if we're going to produce fruit, we have to experience pruning. That's the bottom line. If we're going to produce fruit, our Father is going to be purging us now i'm i'm persuaded i'm confident this is a true statement we may not always recognize it we may not always see it we may not even know what god is doing but this is god's work in us god's work in us and it's not always pleasant but god's work in us is that we might produce more fruit and better fruit so verse two there Where Jesus begins this this thing about purging, he says, Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And then he says in verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Now that word, when we think of clean, we just think of scrubbing, and we think of washing, and we think of that kind of cleaning. But the word that's translated here in our English Bible as clean is almost identical as the word that's translated as purge. We are clean through his word. We are purged through his word. Pruning is a process of purification. It really is. It's to make us better, stronger. Pruning doesn't take away the parts of the plant that are desirable. Pruning takes away the part of the plant that is hindering it from reaching its potential. What if I, let's just visualize this today if you could. I'm, 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 a, I'm a branch in the vine. I'm a, I'm a branch attached to Jesus. And there are things in my life 
that if those things were not in my life, I would be, I would be a better person a better Christian. I would be a stronger Christian. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to help me remove those things from my life. Why? Because God's not just interested in my comfort. He's interested that we bear fruit for His honor and His glory. It's not always pleasant, but it's God's plan. It is God's plan. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And I think we ought to ask ourselves today, is that happening in my life? Is God working in my life? Is God removing things in my life? Might be belief systems, might be my pride, it might be my selfishness or stubbornness. Why would, why would God be interested in that? Because God wants us to produce fruit. God wants us to glorify Him by the lives that we live. And that's a part of the process, it's pruning. And, and I believe when it says there in verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you, what that Jesus is introducing, I'm confident of this, is one of the primary ways God prunes us is through His word. His word. God's word has this ability to purge, to purify, to cleanse us. You know, I was thinking about this uh, this morning. Is I'm going to have you turn to it, but I'm going to turn to it when Brother Hawkins was teaching in Sunday school about um, Abram's life. Not his wife, his life. Which included his wife. But God, God called him to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and come to a place he was not aware of. He did not know. And it says this about Abram. So Abram departed. He was 75 at this time. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. That was the, that's such a key phrase, isn't it? As the Lord had spoken unto him. You know what it was that gave him the incentive to leave his family, to leave his familiar uh, place of uh, upbringing and all the things that were, uh, uh, he was comfortable with? You know what called, God spoke to him about that. We don't just make changes for our own sake. We, make, we want to be led by the Lord. And God's Word has a way of, of impacting our life and changing our life and convicting us and opening our eyes. That's why the psalmist in 119 said, Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. In the same psalm it says, The entrance of thy Word giveth light. God speaks to us through His Word. And that Word is sometimes convicting to us. Now, I know that we like to think that God always just gives us a pat on an attaboy, pat on the back, you're doing good, you never do anything wrong, don't worry about that, it's all good. But that, God doesn't always do that. Now, you may think He ought to, but He doesn't. You know what He does? Sometimes He prunes us. Sometimes He purges us for our own good because He wants us to be better. You know, I think if you would... If you would go to some of the trees that my wife and I have pruned on, sometimes, I mean, sometimes our pruning, we can fill a pickup up more than several times just in a day, pruning stuff. And I think if you'd go to those trees and interview them and say, what do you think about this? I say, I don't like it. It's tough. You ever felt that chainsaw cutting through you? But you know what? You look at it a year later, so later, and you see the wisdom of it. It's better for it. This is, God's, this is how God's Word. Think about this. Just think with me for a moment. Have you ever sat in a service and 
God's Word is being taught or preached, or maybe you're just reading your Bible, and the Word of God cuts into your heart in some way, and and you realize that's God speaking to you and saying, I've got something better than this for you. Does God's Word ever do that to you? That's what God's Word is supposed to do. That doesn't mean he never encourages us. There's full of encouragement in the Bible. But also, there's full of pruning in the Bible. One of the first verses I remember committing to memory many, many years ago is Hebrews 4.12 where it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Listen to this. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I see some of you with your lips quoting that with me. How quick is it? It piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Such a precise, this is such a precise instrument that it can even divide between what is your soul and your spirit. That's what the Bible says. That's pretty, pretty precise. And think about this. It is a discerner, reading the, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. That's God's word. That's why we tell people, encourage people, get into the Bible. Every day, spend time in the Bible. Because this is God's word to us. Sometimes I may think I'm okay, but then I read something that shows me you're not as okay as you think you are. And I don't get mad and say, God, you're never supposed to tell me anything negative. No, I know God's right. God's always right. His word is true. This is what God's Word does. It's like a scalpel. Removing what needs to be removed. You know, when God's Word says, for instance, your life is not your own, you've been bought with a price, your life doesn't belong to you. You know, some people just let that go right over their head, but you know what, we ought to let it go right into our heart. Your life is not yours. You were purchased at Calvary. You belong to Jesus Christ. His word causes us to say, I'm going to get this selfishness out of my life. I'm going to quit being the boss of my life. I want God to direct me. His word convicts us of our pride. It convicts us of our stubbornness, as I said earlier. When we read about our responsibility to our community, our responsibility to our family, our responsibility on the job, we read these things. God is using his word. You know what he's doing? He's pruning us and purging us. You know what it does? It helps us grow. It helps us be more productive. We ought to take God's word seriously. We ought to take his word seriously. He seeks to prune things in our life. Now, I would like to think today that everybody in this room can relate to that. Everybody in this room can know what it's like, and I think probably most of us do. But I want to tell you what the opposite of that is. One of the greatest judgments God could give anyone is to leave them alone. Just let them go. That's what it says in Romans chapter 1, that God let them go. God let them have their way. God gave them up. You know, I'll tell you, there's something worse than God working on you and convicting you, and that's if God's word doesn't speak to you at all. It's a terrible place to be. I was thinking about that in relation to what uh, God said to Jeremiah more than once. 
about God's own people. Jeremiah, God said, Jeremiah, don't even bother praying for them. Wouldn't that be a hard place to be? I've had people say to me, don't pray for me. I'll tell you, it'd be a horrible place to be if, if God said, don't even bother praying for them because I'm done with them. I'd, I'd rather choose for God to be working. You know, you know what the Father's pruning is? If you see her today or throughout this day today or you're in your word this morning and at your house or whatever the case might be and you feel like God is dealing with you about things in your life that aren't right, you know what? That is a sign that God is not finished with you. It's a sign that God is working in your life. You know, this kind of goes against our natural thinking. You know, we would, I would think in a natural way, if you take away... If you take away these sucker shoots out of a, sprouts out of a tree, or if you take away branches or limbs, that you're, you're going to hurt it. You're going to cut it down. But you know what? It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make it weaker. It makes it better. It's true in ornamental plants. It's true in trees. It's true with fruit trees. And it's true with branches that are attached to the vine. Sometimes... We naturally think, if I could, if I had just this in my life, if I could add this to my life, then I know I could be a better Christian. And sometimes that's true. But oftentimes it's not that we need to add something to make us a better Christian. It's that we need to remove something to make us a better Christian. That's what pruning is. That's the purging. That's, and I don't do that. And for young people, your mom or dad can't do that. They may restrict certain things in your life, but actually it's the father who does that. It's God who does that. He is the husbandman. And sometimes things in our life limit us. So let's look at pruning in a different way today. It's both helpful, it is helpful. And it's also healthful. It makes us better, makes us stronger increases our production. The purpose is not to kill the plant. I'm sure some of our plants think that's true, but it's not to kill the plant. It's to make it healthier and more fruitful. You know, in verse 3 there where it says about you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you, God's word, I believe God's word, taken seriously, applied honestly, obeyed sincerely, will help us remove things that hinder our spiritual growth. Now, that's not the only thing that God uses. I believe that's a, I believe that's a preferred method that God has for pruning us. But God also does, uses other things. I'll give you an example of one. God uses chastisement. And I'll give you a verse for that. Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. When God rebukes you, when God chastises you, don't let that, don't cause you to faint. Because here's the result. The end of that text says this. Because that chastening yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That chastisement produces the right kind of fruit. That's, that's why parents have to chasten their children sometimes. It's not just a vent on them. It's to help them be better. And you know, what the, you know what the fruit of chastisement is? It makes us a better life, more better decisions, wiser actions. It increases our spiritual fruit. So purging is a part of the journey, folks. And it can be painful. 
Even the conviction of truth can be painful. But we respond to it. You know, as we, as we cut away those unproductive branches and trees, it helps the tree grow. And God uses these things. God uses trials sometimes. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Joseph, one of my favorite people to refer to in the Old Testament. Joseph, who went through 13 years of mistreatment, of pain, of being misrepresented, persecuted, 13 years. And after that, God blessed him with a marriage and two children. And the second son, he named Ephraim. And the name means fruitful. And this is what he said in Genesis. God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God even used Joseph's trials to make him more fruitful. To, to bless his life. So when we go through trials or God is chastening us or God's word is convicting us and God is getting close to us and showing us things that need to be different, we ought to remain faithful and know that our father is a husbandman and he's trying to make us better. I don't always think like that when I'm going through trials. You may think I've never been through trials, but I have. I've broken the law several times and stood before a judge and had to be tried. That's not what I'm talking about. It's always, it's always good to remember when you're going through it, you know, maybe God's going to use this to make me better. Maybe God's going to use this to make me more fruitful. If God, you know, God is committed to you, not just as your father. He is your father. But not just as your father, but as your husbandman, as your farmer. He's committed to remove things from our life that will hinder our spiritual productivity. And if he's committed to it, we ought to be committed to it. And so I just want to encourage you this, this day as we think about this, not just to know that God is going to be working in our lives to prune and purge things that would be better off without, but we ought to submit to that. We ought to submit to that. We ought to be willing we see something that's not really according to God's Word, God shows us something and we, we see that. We ought to be willing to agree with God about it. That means what 1 John 1, 9 means. Confess our, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. What does confess mean? It means we agree with God about it. This is, this is not good for me. I want it out of my life. You know, I was reading this morning. I'll, I'll conclude with this from Titus chapter 2 about the wonderful salvation that God gives us. It says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is what God wants for His children, that we would have the fruit of righteousness and godliness in our life. God wants that. That's what salvation is about. Salvation is about going to heaven, yes, but it's also about being conformed to the image of Christ. So I want to ask you this today. Number one, if you're, if you're saved, this is my challenge to you this morning in the invitation. If you're saved, I want to challenge you to say this to God. I want you to work in my life. 
removing the things from my life that I don't really need, things that are really holding me back spiritually. That's, you say, why would we do that? Because that's what God wants to do in our life. That's what, anytime I felt this, you've probably felt this, where you think about, I'm going to really surrender this area of my life to God, but what if I do, and God then wants me to do this, or wants to do that? You know what? God knows what's best. God's will is always best. Would you be willing to pray that today? Father, I want you to work in my life, removing those things that hinder my fruitfulness. And I want to submit to your word. As your word cleanses me and purges me and purifies me, I want to submit to your word. That's a great place to be. Now, if you're here today and you're not saved, that's not what you need to pray. You need to pray to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. But I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And today I want to trust you as my Savior. That's what you need to be saying. Lord, I need you in my life. And maybe God's been working in your life to that end. Let's bow our heads together for a moment. And I want to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you be willing today as a believer to say to your heavenly Father, Father, I want you to work in my life. I don't want to try to escape your purging and pruning in my life. I want you to do in me what needs to be done that I could bring more glory and honor to you, that I could be more fruitful. God doesn't work in our life just to make things miserable for us. He works in our life to make things better for us. And if you're here today and you're not saved today, right where you are, you could trust Christ as your Savior. You could come. I'm going to be standing here at the front. You ought to come and say, Preacher, pray for me and help me. I need, I need to get this matter settled. Or maybe just come to the altar and say, Lord, I just really want to, I want you to work in my life today. Our fathers, we pray today. We thank you for your love for us. I think about this great passage and Lord, we can only uh, imagine, only try to speculate as to what this must have meant to those disciples as you made your way toward Gethsemane's garden. If you're going to bear fruit, you've got to abide in me. If you're going to bear fruit, you've got to Submit to the Father's purging. God, we want to bear fruit. We want to be productive, fruit-bearing Christians.